0: Welcome to the all-in-one podcast for middle school language arts teachers. I'm Linda, and I've been a teacher for over 30 years. I can help you with tips, tricks, and motivation that will simplify your planning, streamline your teaching, and enjoy more free time. Well, hey there, it's Linda. I hope all is going well in your world. I'm hoping that if you are listening in real time, that your October is off to a really good start and you're not feeling too overwhelmed. And I'm excited to continue with our mini-series on reading workshop. Maybe it's your first job, or maybe you are a veteran teacher who has been told to teach with this model. Either way, you are in the right place. I'm hopeful that through my experience, this podcast will help guide and inspire you to either get started with a reading workshop model of teaching or to hone your skills further. There are six other podcasts already in this series. We talked about why reading workshop is a perfect model of instruction for your middle school class, how to get started, creating mini lessons, what the model looks like in your room, getting kids working in book clubs and conferencing. If you haven't listened to them yet, I really hope that you will and you might want to get started there. I also want to mention here that there are many who hear the term reading workshop and they see it as something that is too vague or only for students who are at grade level with their reading. Please know that I have used units of study by Lucy Calkins but I modified them completely to be more skills-based and practical. So I hear you, but please know that what I'm going to be speaking about is something that can be used for all levels of kids and is not just a series of flashy lessons to engage high-level readers. Okay, and before we actually dig in, I want to make sure that you know I'm going to be mentioning a few valuable freebies. In particular, there is a free reader's notebook sample lesson, so you don't want to miss it. I really want to encourage you to sign up for my email list because whenever I make new freebies and I do this fairly often and you're on my list, I just send them out to my subscribers. You'll also be alerted when there's a sale or if I release a new product because it is deeply discounted, usually 50% off in the first day. So my email opt-in and anything that I mention will be linked in the show notes. So let's dive into today's topic, which is about reading notebooks. We're going to talk about some tips and tricks here, and we're going to cover a few different topics. We're going to first talk about why to use reader's notebooks, should you use digital or print, organization of the notebook, what and what not to include, student work, grading, and sharing. Okay, so I know it's a lot, but let's get started with why you should use a reader's notebook. I promise you the sections are not super long. So having a place for kids to keep notes, practice skills, and develop their own thoughts is crucial in a reading workshop. So here are some tangible examples of when you would use a reader's notebook. First, you might want to kids to put notes in a reader's notebook, such as a sheet that you created on possible themes. In this respect, their reader's notebook becomes somewhat of a place to house all of the skills and mini lessons that are being taught. We talked about the mini lesson already and why it is the heart of your reading workshop, so if you haven't listened to that you might want to go back and do that. But when you're working in your reading workshop on the mini lesson there's going to be times that you want kids to look back at something that they may have jotted one of their reading entries which we'll talk about and so you want them to have it with them during the mini lesson then when kids are off and reading on their own you might give them an assignment which you should be doing um, such as you might want them to find text evidence for a character trait and this can go right into their reader's notebook. Okay, so that's pretty straightforward. You really need a place to house all of that information. So this used to be a really big topic in in Lucy Calkins' units of study, whether you went digital or print. So before the pandemic hit, I would have never entertained the idea of using a digital reader's notebook in my sixth grade language arts class. I was taught that you should be sitting next to the student, having them show you their work, engaging in a real conversation about what I see and what I think that they need to do next. And quite honestly, doing it this way with this tangible notebook was honestly pure joy for me because we could really just talk about the book and what they're noticing and and hence their skills. And these were some of my best teaching moments And again, it was recommended by the Lucy Calkins units of study, and I followed along with this in my classroom. And then the pandemic struck and the game changed completely. I had to quickly turn years of my printed ideas and charts and anchor charts into a coherent digital plan that kids could follow along with. And after doing both, I saw the ups and downs of each. I love the organization of a digital notebook, but I was making myself a slave to greeting it when it wasn't always necessary. So I eventually settled on a combination of digital and print. I do some of my activities on Google Classroom. I also attach all of the notes and mini lessons there so that they can't get lost and kids can always have access to them. However, I still have them keep an actual composition book that is their reader's notebook. I personally use a separate composition book for each unit of study. So for example, I have a notebook for fiction. I have one for informational text, one for uh, poetry, etc. Okay, and I find this works really well for me. What I do though, I have kids bring in those notebooks at the beginning of the year as part of their school supplies. And I house them in the room because you know what? In the middle of the year, you're never gonna get every kid remembering to bring in a new composition book. Number one, school supplies aren't as plentiful as they are at the beginning of the year. And number two, if your kids are anything like mine, they just forget, okay? Um, It's also much cheaper to buy those school supplies at the beginning of the year. So just keep this in mind though, the concept of the notebook is the same, whether it is digital or print. Give kids the skills in a brief written and organized format so they can refer to them whenever they need. They will need time and space to try out and apply those skills. As an FYI, like I said, I do have a a printable and digital reader's notebooks activities available in my TPT store. They're going to save you a ton of time, so if you're looking for some time saving tricks, you might want to check them out and I'll be sure to link them. Okay, the organization. I'm just laughing, thinking about trying to organize sixth graders. It is honestly, sometimes I think we deserve the um, Nobel Peace Prize for doing this, (laughs) but having a well-organized notebook is crucial. A table of contents is key. If you're using a print notebook, you want to save the first few pages for your table of contents. You can make a part of the daily ritual to put in any notes and to enter them in the table of contents. For my kids, they know when they come in, they see a handout, they grab it, in it goes, table of contents gets updated. Do I have to remind them every single day? Yes. Does it make me a little crazy? Yes, but that is the name of the game with middle schoolers. But this way as the year goes on, students can easily refer to the notes when they're needed. And like I said at the beginning, I do have a little free sampler pack to get you started if you're interested. There are free reading notebook notes and activities. So I would have, for example, notes on theme already done for you. The kids tape them in. And then there's a a suggested activity for them to do that relates to the current book that they're doing. And they can be applied to any novel. So if you are opting, though, for a digital notebook, there's a couple of ways to approach this. First, you can just add as you go along, which is really probably the best way to do it if you are a new teacher and you're feeling totally overwhelmed. Because, I mean, listen, in my 34th year, I felt as overwhelmed as I did in my first year, to be honest. More confident and maybe more together, but it it does feel overwhelming. So there's no There's nothing wrong with just posting that day's assignment that day, okay? And so what I mean is if you're doing a mini lesson on character traits on Monday with a follow-up activity, just attach it for that day. However, I found that without a solid unit plan, it becomes very haphazard. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this. Sometimes the unit goes on way too long without any clear direction. So with that in mind, I always make my units ahead. And granted, it's much easier once you have one and then you can tweak it as you go along. But I I make mine using Google Slides. I create a unit slideshow and then I link everything within that. So I do have a digital um, table of contents. And for example, one of the rows might say, mini lesson on character traits. And the student would click that and it would bring them to that slide and they would get their copy of the mini lesson that way. It does take some time to set up, but I will tell you it is so worth it because once you have, you've you plugged in all your due dates that you want, you're on autopilot and there is no better feeling when that whole unit is attached. Um, like I said, I have a lot of complete reading units in my store. If you want to at least check one out, at least look at the preview to see how I put it together, I'll be sure to link that in the show notes. Okay next, what and what not to include. A good reader's notebook is simplistic and straightforward. Brief notes of reading skills and concepts such as plot, inferencing, etc. is crucial. Students do need to be taught these skills explicitly and simply, okay, but they do not need overly wordy or long explanations and they definitely need examples to look at. Then within the notebook students should have a place to try out the skill. You can have this all set on a printed copy. And like I said, with my sample, my free sample reading notes, um, I have the students tape the notes and the directions on the right side, and then they try out the skill on the left and you could do it vice versa. It doesn't matter. That's just kind of the way that I do it. You want to keep the activities brief, but meaningful. It is not necessary to burden kids with a ton of work you can see if they are understanding a skill or concept with a quick and hopefully an enjoyable activity. And there's some times where these activities are kind of sketching things out and they, you know, they need a variety of ways to do it. And they shouldn't be writing paragraphs every time you teach a skill, okay? Um, and the same holds true for a digital notebook. Be as brief and as straightforward as possible. This should be a quick reference for students. Think of yourself, have you, if, if you're like me and you search for recipes, right? Most of us don't want to read the person's entire blog. We usually just jump to the actual recipe to get what we need. And the same holds true for students. If they need to look back on their notes for character traits, they shouldn't have to sift through a ton of information. As in the printable notebook, the activities in the digital notebook should not be laborious and they should be varied and hopefully interactive and meaningful to them. Okay, student work. One of the most important reasons to have a reader's notebook is that it is a place for your students to try out and practice skills. It should not be a place for hyper criticism. Think of it as a summative assessment where you see what your kids are doing and where they need to go. And students should have some freedom with what they do. Allow them to get a little artistic if they choose, but remember that some kids like to draw but some do not. So you might want to give them a little bit more of a choice here. It's also a good idea to have a few ideas that they can select from while practicing a skill. Okay, so I wouldn't leave it completely open-ended. I would maybe give them a choice of two or three things that they could try out. So let's take a look at an example. If you're teaching a lesson on symbolism, you can have kids draw up an important symbol in their own life and free write about why it's important. Um, One time I had a student, he was writing a, a personal narrative and he told me he couldn't figure out a symbol and in this narrative, there he was talking about the swing on his parent, grandparents' porch. And he wrote about how he felt like he was swinging between his childhood and being too old. And I was like, um, this is going to, this symbol is kind of hitting you over the head and you're just not seeing it because he was explaining how his relationship with his grandparents was changing. He, he didn't do the weekly sleepovers anymore. It actually kind of brought me to tears. So um, as a follow-up, students can then do the same for any possible symbols in their novels. So you could have them do a couple of things. Like I said, they could draw it, they could write about it a little bit. they could. They could just write words associated with the symbol. There's many different ways you can do this. OK? All right, and grading. So do you grade the notebook? I did say it should not be this totally laborious grading system, but I do say yes, you do need to grade that notebook. For me, it's difficult or impossible to motivate my middle school students without a grade. If they don't think that it counts, they really don't put in enough effort. With that said, I would develop a very loose system of grading. With a printable notebook, I like to go around and give kids a score of one to three or one to five on their assignments as I'm conferencing, and then just loosely average it out for a small grade. For that score, my students know that they need to complete the activity. It has to be done on time. They have to follow the directions. And, you know, putting in effort is something that you as a teacher become an expert at doing and have minimal mechanical errors. However, do not grade every little sentence. I was making myself crazy during the pandemic doing that in a digital format. I felt like it was in front of me. I wasn't with my students and I needed to do it. Don't go down that rabbit hole. It's very hard to get out of that hole once you're in it. You can do something very similar with a digital notebook. As you're conferencing, you can have the students work, have them open it up, And you can put any comments in there as well as a quick grade. So for me, I would have my laptop with me. I would, we would talk about it off of my laptop, like we were talking from a regular reader's notebook, and I could just pop a grade right in there. Do not take home, you know, 85 things to grade every night during a reading unit because you will be drowning in it, okay? What kids write is meant more for a discussion point and not as a formal assignment. Like I said, I would not be a stickler for every little bit of mechanics, but I also wouldn't ignore careless um, errors like capitalization. Whatever it is, decide on a simple rubric or checklist before the unit begins so that students know exactly what is expected of them. And give them examples of high quality work so they know what you are expecting. My notebooks then usually count in a lower category for their overall grade, such as like a homework or a project grade, as opposed to a test or a final piece. This way students are accountable, but they have freedom to try without having to worry about every little mistake. And the last thing I wanna talk about is sharing. In my opinion, the most important time of the reading workshop is when you share. Students need to hear from each other. They get to hear so many different ways of looking at reading and can gain inspiration and insights from their classmates. Plus, it is a great way for kids to get ideas of different books that they want to read. The sharing can and should be simple and informal. So for example, if you're learning about theme, having kids share what they think the theme of their book might be is a very valuable discussion. I also have done things where I've had kids do an assignment in their reading notebook. Maybe they had to, like I said, draw the symbol. I would tell the kids at the end of class, everybody open up your notebook, leave it on your desk, and then I would let kids walk around. And we call that a museum gallery walk. This is a fantastic way for kids to gain so many different perspectives. Okay. So that was a lot. We talked about why use a reader's notebook, digital versus print, the organization, what and what not to include, the student work, grading, and sharing. Don't forget to grab your free reader's notebook activities. They're actually a sample of a product that I have. You'll get a few in the freebie, but there are 19 in the actual product if you're interested. And don't forget to tune in next week as it will be the last in this mini series. And we are going to talk about assessments in reading workshop. Before you go, I want to take a moment to cordially invite you to join my Facebook group. It really is so brand new and the teachers who joined are engaged and have really great tips. If you're new, you're going to find that this is a great place to get inspiration and ask your questions without the negativity. And if you're a veteran teacher, you're going to be surprised at some of the ideas you've never considered. And I'll be sure to leave the link to that as well. I hope this information was helpful. Be sure to check the links that I mentioned in the show notes. My email is available there as well in case you have questions or comments. You can also DM me on Instagram at All in One Middle School. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.